Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it is my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage podcast, James Grant with Georgia Trial Attorneys. James, welcome. Hey, how's it going? It's going great, my friend. Thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Now, you built your personal injury firm from the ground up. What was it like when you were just getting started? Ooh, I call it an epic dumpster fire, but others would probably have other words for it. Starting a business is not easy. It's 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 something that's for sure, uh, and we can talk a lot more about it. But I don't I don't know exactly where you want to go. Well, what were some of the lessons that you learned in, you know, clearly you've grown your firm considerably. So what were some of the lessons you learned along the way? Yeah, I mean, so when you start a business, you generally tend to be this wide-eyed idealist of, you know, you're going to be able to save the world and you're going to, you know, in my instance, conquer the insurance companies and right all the wrongs of the world. And then it's like, oh, well, I got bills to feed. I got mouths to feed. Like real, real life hits real fast. And you have to just start jumping into the production of making the business work. But that's not the job of an entrepreneur. And the job of the entrepreneur is to be a visionary, somebody that looks forward and plans for the next three, five, 10 years down the road, as opposed to being caught up with, well, this issue is in front of me right now. And my business partner and I, Mark, that's how we kind of lived our life for the first several years of operating our hobby. We didn't really have a business. We had a hobby. And now as we have, you know, grown into our entrepreneurial mindset, we have realized that it's something where you need to work on your business, not necessarily in your business. So there, there's a lot that's there that we've, you know, come through to get out of the epic dumpster fire to running a business that works with and for us. So tell me more about that. Was it kind of a, an aha moment that you both had? Um, and realize that things need to really change at the firm so it can go from, as you said, a hobby to a business? Or was it something that happened over time? And uh, and if so, just how did that process go? Yes and no. So, you know, most lawyers kind of wear a badge of honor of I work these late hours and I work 80, 90 hours a week. And, you know, I'm doing all these things at two o'clock in the morning for my client or for the court or for this brief or whatever. And so many times, like I said, we just, we wear that as a badge of honor. And that's what you know, that's what the media sees, that that's what the, the world expects of us. And that's not what life should be like. You know, you, you shouldn't be doing that. You, you don't start a business to effectively become a slave to your business. You, you start a business so that you can help a lot of people, do a lot of good things and provide a lifestyle for yourself and your family and have a business work for you. But so many times we get th- that script flipped. So as we were going through that and Mark and I were working those crazy hours and we were just chained to our desk and to our firm, we built up to realize that there's got to be a better way to do that. You know, there something had to change because that life cycle wasn't sustainable. I mean, you look at a lot of these big firms, they pay a whole lot of money, but they're paying you two salaries effectively because you're working so many hours you don't see many people that last lifelong careers in those firms because burnout's a thing. So we didn't want that. And we started the business in January of 2015. 
And then in October of 2018 was kind of the the catalyst, the changing moment for us. We're like, we need to do something different. And that's when we hired a business coach. And that was the single greatest thing we have done for our personal, professional and financial lives. That is wonderful to hear because, uh, you know, I, me and my team, we coach attorneys as well. And it's so great to hear when a business coach comes through for you. What was the impact that the business coach made for you and your firm? I mean, it was a lot. When you go to law school, you learn not even how to be a lawyer, but how to think like a lawyer. And that translates in no way to business, to entrepreneurship or anything like that. You know, so many lawyers that are business owners, they think that, well, if I'm just a really good lawyer and I make really good arguments, I do the law very well, that things are just going to work out and be fine. But that's not necessarily how business works. So you have to change it to say, no, now I'm going to run a business that just so happens to practice law because my business is no different than any other business. It's all the same cycle of you have sales, you have marketing, you have production, you have people, you have your financial controls and metrics, you have your personal development on yourself. You know, all these things are working together and you have to build a plan to get you to where you want to be. And then you have to follow and execute that plan and make adjustments as you're going through. So there's there's a lot that comes. And when we first started coaching, I mean, it was rough. It was like drinking from a fire hose because you're working in your business, but then you're learning, oh, now I've got to work on my business. And I mean, it's a lot, it's intense, but you have to make that time of type of investment if you want to reap the benefits going forward. Otherwise, you're just going to be doing the same thing over and over again. Exactly. It's Groundhog Day, and it's not going to get any easier. In fact, it gets it gets more difficult. So congrats on making that change. I'm so glad you hired a business coach, and it was a great fit for you and your partner, and you've taken off. So tell us a little bit about how your firm has grown over the past several years. Yeah, I mean, you know, our first year in business, like, we did okay. Like, we, we were profitable. I think we did, like, $250,000 was our first year's revenue, which is, you know, that's not mind-blowing numbers, but... For a first year business, like we're like, okay, like the system works, like we have something here. And we we were steadily increasing around 30% year after year. I think it was, you know, like 404 and 575, 680, 909. So like we were steadily growing. We broke the million dollar barrier, what, two years ago. And then last year we hit $1.7 million. So this year we're on a, on track for a $3 million run rate. So we've been growing our firm steadily through and it's been intense. You know, the, the way that you run a $250,000 a year business is not the way you run a $3 million a year business and is not the way that we hope to run a $6 million business the year after. So you're constantly adjusting, you're constantly changing, you're constantly making improvements because you're building the bicycle as you ride it effectively. And sometimes parts come in, sometimes parts go out and it's it's an experience, but it's been really fun to see where we've come from, but also have a plan for where we were going and where we wanna get. I love that. And congratulations on your growth. That is a fantastic growth you know, story, consistent, steady increases year over year and it just kind of builds on itself and your your point about how a 250 million dollar business a 250,000 dollar business is different I than would a $3 love that but that business. would be terrifying a 250 million dollar yeah. business <laughs> and that's and that's another level as well so 
uh, you're right. There's different challenges with each and the owner has got to make, you know, different, almost feel like you're reinventing yourself, right? As you go through these different stages. Um, and I wanted to, to bring up a point that you mentioned that, um, tell me about the value of delegation and how you view delegation as now, um, an attorney who has a multi-million dollar law firm. Delegation is probably the single most difficult thing for me. Because for so long, I thought that I was the gatekeeper for all things. I was the best attorney. I was the best paralegal. I was the best receptionist. I was the best customer service. I, you know, whatever, whatever the position in the business was, I was the best at it, or I thought I had to be the best at it. And that is the exact wrong perspective because you have to compare yourself to other business models that are out there. I talk a lot about comparisons between, you know, Amazon and Tesla, biggest conglomerates that we know of in existence today. I mean, do you really think Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk are picking up the phone answering customer service calls? No, they may be impeccable at it, but they're hiring people that are better for the time commitment at those given tasks than they ever could be. You don't have to know how to do everything. You just have to hire people that want to do those things that are better and smarter than you. And as long as you give them boundaries and objectives and key performance indicators and job descriptions so that they know this is the job responsibility, this is how it's to be accomplished, and this is the desired result I want to achieve, it just makes things easy. And you don't necessarily need to know how the sausage is made. You just Look at the finished product and you compare. Is this what I wanted? Did you deliver? Yes or no? And then that's freeing to give you the option as the business owner and entrepreneur to go work on other things to grow the business as opposed to being stuck in the weeds. So one of the questions I have about this, a really focused question is once you delegate a legal task to somebody, how then do you know that they've done it right? Or I should say, how do you know that they've done it well enough? Is probably the better question. So we have a rule in our firm, 80%. That's all I want. I do not want 100% because 100% is not realistic. No employer expects their people, their process to be 100%. It's just, it's never going to happen. And if you do that, you're setting up unrealistic expectations for yourself and your team. And your team is eventually going to leave because no one can maintain the standards that you claim are possible. So we just say, hey, we just want you to maintain a B average when it comes to comparing or using a football analogy. I want you to score, but that's it. I don't want you, you know, for football, I want the ball to cross one blade of grass into the end zone. I don't want you to go 10 yards deep. I don't want you to showboat going in. I just want you to achieve the desired result 80% of the time. I want you to get close on that 20% where you fail, but... I'm not looking for perfection because perfection is not possible. Love that. What then do you do when they do make a mistake? So going back to the first question that you asked, the, the biggest thing when you set out you know, and delegate and give somebody else another task or anything is you just have to establish who is going to do what and by when. As long as you set those boundaries and say, all right, well, we're going to follow up at this time and this person is going to do this and this is what they're going to deliver, then you, you have a follow-up that's already built in and you are setting out a measurement tool. So that is huge in the beginning as far as, you know, giving those little steps as far as handing those, you know, administrative tasks. Now, I will say one thing on administrative tasks to all the lawyers that are listening. 
90% of what you do is not lawyer task. Most of what we do in the legal industry is administrative in nature. You know, we went to law school to be lawyers and you only need a bar license to do a few things. You need a bar license to sign pleadings, to argue in court, and to give legal advice. That's really it. The only other fourth thing is to manage other attorneys, but most aren't actually doing that. So lawyers need a bar license to do three things. If your lawyers are doing anything else other than those three things, you are overpaying them for administrative tasks. So dump those things down to paralegals, to administrative assistants, and let your lawyers thrive and be good at what they're good at, as opposed to getting them bogged down in things that they don't necessarily need a law license to do. Awesome. And, you know, they are going to make mistakes and that's how people learn and that's how people grow. And so just accepting that and understanding that if 80% of it gets done well and the other 20% gets close, it's going to be okay. Like <laughs> you can spot check the important stuff and make sure that that is absolutely correct, but it's going to be okay. And like you can fix stuff like even in my realm, I help other lawyers make more money faster and with less stress by serving as their outsourced litigation department. So we're in court, we're doing litigation stuff. But even in that extent, there's one thing that I can do to mess up a case. And that's miss a statute of limitations. That's the only thing in my entire firm that can truly mess up a case. Everything else can be fixed. And the same thing is true for most other law firms. There are no really big major mistakes that cannot be fixed. So don't worry about it. Fix it and move on. And if you want to grow your firm to any kind of significant size, you're going to have to learn to delegate. No one can be good at everything. And no one has the time to be good at everything. So tell us a little bit about um, how your firm has marketed itself and branded itself in, uh, in the Georgia uh, well, in the state of Georgia. Yeah, I mean, it, you you have to set a unique value proposition, something that differentiates you from effectively your competition, whether that's going to be a marketing message or business model. There has to be something that sets you apart from others because, you know, you could go to Google and type in personal injury attorney near me in Georgia, and you're going to have 4,075 different results. Like there's no shortage of personal injury attorneys that are in the area. so. When Mark and I got into our business, we we realized that we had to you know narrow because we could have done any number of things. We could have done door law, which is you know you come in the door, you have a case, we're going to help you. If you dabble in everything, you're a master of nothing. So we knew that we wanted to be in the personal injury field, but even with that, you have to narrow your focus further. And we really specialize in auto accidents. That's you know that's our bread and butter. That's what we're really good at. That's what we understand. That's what our process and our procedure is built around. But even further, we specialize in litigation. So we help other law firms by taking away the overhead, the costs, the expense, the training, everything that goes with running a litigation department so that then they have more money to then feed into their marketing machine to then generate more of that pre-litigation business, which is going to help grow their business to the next level. And then together, we're working on those litigation cases with my firm to then just send them even more money with them not having to worry about how to manage and run that process. So our model is very, very niche, and it's more of a B2B model, which is kind of how we said, all right, we're going to go a different market share route which also then allows us an opportunity to have that different unique value proposition. 
Got it. That is a really cool business model. And how would a law firm know that you might be a good fit to be their outsourced litigation department? So our avatar client or the people that we want to work with are other personal injury law firms that are really good at the hustle market sell. You know, they're good at that first phase where they they have a marketing machine, whether it's their front end marketing or their back end marketing, and they're able to generate those organic cases where, you know, someone's been in an accident and they need help. They need to get into treatment. They need to get to the right doctors. They need somebody to quarterback that treatment regimen and then also handle their insurance claims. And most of the time, they're very successful. These firms are very good at negotiating these cases without having to file a lawsuit. But there are some cases that then need litigation, whether, you know, the insurance company, the adjuster just doesn't like you, doesn't like the case, any number of things they have it valued just wrong, but it needs to go to that next phase. Well, the thing that we found is a lot of firms really try to use their staff to do things that probably they shouldn't or aren't equipped to do. And I use the example of, you know, Football isn't baseball. Baseball isn't football. You you can't take the Braves and go play the Falcons, and you can't take the Falcons and go play the Braves. They're both professionals. They are both very, very well equipped to do their roles in their particular sport. But just because they're good at one sport doesn't mean they're good at the other sport. And the same thing is really true in the personal injury world with a staff that is very good at pre-litigation is probably not the same staff that you would want to use to litigate a case just because it's an entirely different skill set. It's an entirely different process, different training, different regiments. So what we found is that if you're really good at pre-litigation, be really good at pre-litigation and then let me be really good at litigation because I'm not going to be marketing and competing with you for pre-lit clients. That's one thing that we do is we're in the business of helping other lawyers, so I'm not going to compete with them as well. I'm not going to be spending money for Google ads, for Facebook and digital ads. I'm not going to be doing that because I want to be a B2B marketer. I want to be in the business of helping other law firms, which is, again, part of our unique value proposition. If I'm going to help you, it's really tough for me to say that I'm going to help you when that, then I'm also competing with you at the same time. So we're really looking for those law firms that have that hustle market sell, that pre-litigation machine down, and then we can help them by offloading their litigation and then allowing them less overhead and more money to go back into that machine to grow their firm. Very cool concept. And where does the client or where does the case need to be located in order for you to help out with that? So we work within the state of Georgia. It doesn't matter, you know, where the accident occurred as long as it occurred in Georgia. So we work with firms in Georgia, in Alabama, Tennessee, South Carolina, North Carolina, Florida. You know, there's all those surrounding states just because you know, you may live in another state. You may be driving through on vacation. You may be driving into Georgia for work. You know, so however it happens, as long as the accident happened in Georgia, we're able to handle that case. Awesome. And James, what's the best way for a firm to reach out to you if they want to utilize your firm services or just chat more? So we are very big on sharing our documents, sharing our resources, because my mantra is rising tide raises all ships. There's nothing secret. There's nothing special as far as the documentation. Now, how the documentation is used, that's a different story. I think that is special and unique, but I have no problems giving out our template complaints, our template discovery, 
all those free resources because again, the more that we help everyone else, the more it's going to help the industry. And hopefully these insurance companies will realize one day that we're not going away and they'll start paying fair. But, you know, it hasn't happened yet. So we'll see what happens. But the best way to do that is just go to our website. It's the same thing as our toll-free number. It's 833-4thewin.com. So that's 833-4thewin.com. Your insights today have been awesome. Love the way you deliver them. Love your business model as well. Really, really cool stuff. What are some of the things that you're excited about over the next 12 to 18 months for your law firm? So I just went through scaling up with Vern Harnish and it was exciting and terrifying at the same time <laughs> because we we look at linear growth so many times and linear growth is scary. But then when you start looking at exponential growth, that junk is terrifying because it's just so fast. So the things that we're putting in place with scaling up and the resources that they've been able to provide, it's going to be a wild ride because it happens so fast. But the, the growth is going to be exciting. We're looking within maybe a year or two to be moving into other states, be able to deliver the same services in Alabama, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, and North Carolina. Well, James, thank you for your time. And I just have to say it's a real pleasure to chat with somebody who takes the business aspect of running a law firm seriously and enjoys it and is investing in coaching. Uh, that is just music to my ears. So great job. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you, sir. Everyone, that is James Grant. He is the founding partner of George Trial Attorneys. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice.